Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, good morning. Welcome all of our campuses, all of you watching online. So glad that you're here at Frisco East. How many feeling good today? I just swallowed a fly, so I'm not sure what happened. Hey, uh, before we dive into today, very excited about this last uh, week in Bridges But our country, and it seems like every time I um, start a service, I'm like, hey, the country, you know, the world, pray. So many things. The hurricane coming into New Orleans. Um, Gosh, we're praying for for the less damage and the least amount of damage. Uh, The fires in, in California, Afghanistan, Haiti, COVID, your individual challenges, There's a lot going on. If there was ever a time to lean into your relationship with God, if there was ever a time in which you got closer, draw closer to Him, He draws closer to you, it's now. Now's not the time for materialism. Now is not the time for compromise. Now is the time to press in and to leverage your relationship with God and pray, pray for what's going on in our country um, and around the world. Just want to encourage you with that. Don't let the, the, what's going on depress you. Don't let uh, what's going on discourage you as believers of all the people on the planet who should be at peace. It's us right now, right now. So be at peace, but pray. Now, this series, um, Bridges, let me just catch you up if you haven't uh, been with us. We've been in a series called Bridges. Uh, The first week I talked about burning bridges, and we talked about burning the bridge of spiritual rejection. Um, Many of us were raised in churches where we felt uh, uh, judged, we felt less than, we felt like we were never going to be worthy. Maybe you were raised in a legalistic a very uh, judgmental or discipline-oriented church, and, and it just drove you away. And for maybe many years, you were away from God because of spiritual rejection, because you felt that. Well, let me just tell you, although we as the church sometimes make mistakes, He never does. And He is always, always ready to receive. And we talked about burning that bridge of rejection. We talked about burning the bridge of fear, And I don't talk about, hey, I'm scared about what's going on or I'm scared of God, but the fear of missing out on what this world has to offer rather than fully surrendering your life to Jesus. Many of us are afraid that we're going to miss out on what this world has to offer. We're going to miss out on the fun. We're going to miss out on some big thing. I promise you this, you could never imagine a life better than the one God has planned for you, ever. So burn that bridge of fear and then cross the bridge of faith. That's what we talked about last week. My friend Mark Damas did a great job laying a theological foundation for unity. That's all it was. It was not critical race theory. It was not woke. It was a theological framework for unity in the body of Christ. And it was awesome. He talked about three different things at the end. Don't make it difficult for diverse others to belong. Number two, don't prefer some others based on color or culture. 
And number three, don't extend power, position, or privilege to some over others based on money. That's, that's it, right? And so we can welcome and we can in, in, invite unity into the, into the house of God like never before. And then today, I'm going to continue the theme of bridge, and we're going to talk about building bridges. Now, <clears throat> I've been able to cross a lot of historic a lot of very cool bridges in, in my lifetime, the London Bridge, the Brooklyn Bridge, the, the what's the one in San Francisco? Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, me, meaningful, meaningful to me. Um, you know, the Royal Gorge in Colorado, the one in South Padre. You know, I mean, I mean, just some incredible bridges. And I don't know if you've ever realized how much work, though, it takes to build a bridge. The amount of hours of planning, drawing, researching, and testing the area, ordering supplies and equipment and manpower, the cost to build a bridge is staggering. But what the result is, is incredible because it, it gives us the ability to, to, be, to go from one side to another, and that's what a bridge does. It bridges the gap between two opposing sides. Now, without them, without them, it is a lot of trouble. Just imagine if you've ever gone, gone over I-40 into Memphis, <clears throat> crossing the Mississippi River. And I know recently that bridge has been down because of a crack and so forth. They fixed that. But imagine if... if everyone had to divert and go across on a ferry. You had to get your car on a ferry and park. How many know that's not God's will for your life? That's a lot of wasted time, right? And a bridge just makes it convenient. It makes it possible for two sides to come together. It's the same way with relational bridges. It takes patience it takes intentionality, it takes planning, it takes us being willing to humble ourselves, and, in ra and rather than burn bridges we, with people, we build them. And it takes a lot of work. So when I talk about building a bridge, to who might be the question? You, you might go, well, I mean, am I supposed to build a bridge to everyone? Am I supposed to bridge? If you, who am I supposed to build a bridge? I'm glad you asked. Because I got three that I want to talk about today, and I'm going to go quick. The first one is build bridges with people far from God. Now, I know that, I, you know, in, 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 the, in the years that I've been pastor of this church, um, this has been a part of our DNA. And we've been accused on occasion to be a shallow church. What I mean by that is, uh, oh man, we don't go verse by verse. We don't, <clears throat> we don't uh, go to the deep things of God and, and, and so forth. And, and I understand those things. And that's why there's a diversity of churches so that you can enjoy perhaps whatever flavor or whatever uh, you know, style that you prefer. But I would submit to you that as Jesus in the Gospels taught 
He never went to a book in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant and went verse by verse through Genesis. He never went verse by verse, and it's not wrong to do that, but he, he never said, hey, let me give you theological correctness, let me tell you, and, and it's not that that's not important, and he did some of that, but most of what he taught us was how to relate to one another, to love one another, to pray for your enemies, to bless those who persecute you. You go through the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and, and the details of relational bridge building. Can I just tell you, you can know all the theology and you can memorize verses, but if you don't build bridges and if you don't love people, you are a gong and it's ugly. If I went to go those drubs right now and I took a stick and I just hit that symbol right now as hard as I could, everybody would go, oh my goodness, what are you doing? That's out of order, right? Same way. Does that make sense to you? So, Laying the foundation for building a bridge with people far from God is the DNA of our church. Our mission is inviting everyone to find Jesus and help them move to the center of God's purpose for their lives. That's why we're here, to invite everyone to find. We don't get sidetracked with other things. We don't get detoured. We don't get involved in other things. Inviting everyone to find Jesus and help them move to the center of God's purpose for their lives. Now, the story in Luke chapter 19, um, Jesus was accused of, of hanging out with the wrong people all the time. He was accused of being a drunk. He was accused of gluttony. He was accused of, of, of not adhering to the customs of the religious leaders. But the people that he spent time with, in the, in the example that Jesus gave us, was constantly building bridges with people far from God. Matthew, one of his disciples that he called was a tax collector, hated by his own people because he would steal money from his own people, pay Rome the tax they were due, and then pocket the change. Matthew's friends, Jesus went to their house and had a party and engaged with them. Luke 19, Zacchaeus knows Jesus is coming to town and he wants to greet Jesus or he at least wants to get a, a glimpse of him. But he's short and there's a big crowd, so he climbs a tree and he just, just to get a glimpse of Jesus when he walks by. And Jesus walks to the tree and he calls to Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, let's have, let's have lunch. I want to come to your house. Jesus building a bridge. And this was a result of the bridge that Jesus built. Luke 19 Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Listen to this. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. This is his mission. This is why we exist. Why you have the job that you have, why you live in the neighborhood you live in, why you go to the school that you go to, is to seek and save the lost. That's why we do, that's why we have, that's why we're able, that's why the talents that we've been given, this is, it goes all back to this. So let me, let me put something on the screen to help you understand what, I, what I'm getting at here. Our job is to build a bridge by living a life that is so compelling, 
so overflowing with the love, grace, and mercy of Christ that those who are far from God find his love impossible to resist rather than impossible to accept. When they see a group of people, when they see believers on social media, or they see believers on TV, they see believers filled with hate, filled with sarcasm, filled with no compassion, can I just tell you that the world is not impressed. But when we live lives that are so compelling, that are so filled with the love and the grace of God, that, that extends in compassionate ways and in genuine, authentic ways, it's a, it's a love that people far from God find hard to resist because we're building bridges. That's why Jesus was so popular. Yeah, of course he did miracles, and they were really excited about those, those miracles, but he built bridges with people, and he changed their lives. We're called to do the same. Second, second bridge is build bridges within the family of God. Now, I meet with a group of pastors. I meet with several groups of pastors uh, during the month, um, I meet with Conway Edwards over at One Community. I meet with Jeff Jones over at Chase Oaks, Bruce Miller at Christ Fellowship, Sam over at First Baptist McKinney, Jim and Paul over at Preston Trail. We all meet together once a month and have lunch and discuss and, you know, just talk. And, and you know, all of those guys that I just mentioned have wrong theology in a lot of ways. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being serious. Um, no, I'm kidding. Totally, totally kidding. We, you know what we don't do? You know what we don't do? We don't get together and talk about how right one is and how wrong the other is and the style and the theology. We never, hardly ever, unless, unless we're just curious and say, hey, you know, what do you think of eschatology, the study of end times? And we'll talk about stuff like that, and it's healthy and so forth. Never do we talk about our, our, our wrong things that we, or, or things we disagree with. Never. I meet with Chuck at First Baptist, Wayne at Frisco Bible, Afshin at Providence Village, um, Craig over at Grace, uh, and, and many others that come to that, um, that Frisco Alliance meeting. And, and they too are wrong theologically on many, many levels, but, but I love them. You know, you know what I'm saying, right? We just have built bridges, and, and I'm telling you, if you have something negative to say about one of my friends, I'm going to tell you, oh, wow, really? I love Jim and Paul at Preston Trail. Chuck at Martin, he's one of the smart. I mean, Wayne at Frisco, one of the smartest men I know. How could you leave their church? Are you dumb? You know, that type of thing. I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm just saying that's the kind of love. Those are the kind of bridges that we have connected with. Guys, in the body of Christ, um, it is vital that we love one another. Jesus said it this way, the world will know, in other words, those looking at us, the world will know that you are my disciples because you what? Not because you love, but because you love one another. That's how they will know that we, are our, that, that we are his disciples, that we love one another. 
I disagree with some preachers in, in the United States or around the world. I disagree with some of their theology. You'll never hear me post or see me post anything on social media about them because I disagree with their theology. I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense that we would throw grenades at one another when Jesus has called us all the while to love one another and build bridges. Here's, here's what Jesus, or, uh, Paul said in Romans, uh, Romans 12. It's, I mean, it's clear. It's clear and it's a mandate for us. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, this is a bridge building thing, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Listen to this. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Work, work at it. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people, and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone, that everyone, rich or poor, Christian or no Christian, that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. This matters. It matters that we're building bridges within our own family. That, yes, we have theological differences. Yes, we have stylistic differences. But in the scheme of eternity, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we are one. In John 17, Jesus praying before he would go to the cross, before he would be crucified for the sins of the world, Here's what he prayed. He didn't pray for himself. He didn't pray that, hey, I want to change this or that. He said, Lord, I pray for the church. I pray that they would be one. Man, it matters. Because the world is looking, of all the times that I've lived in, for us to be one is now for people to look at us and we are walking in peace. We're walking in love. We're not walking in disunity. We're not walking in divisiveness. We're not on social media doing this and bashing that and bashing her and bashing him. We are loving people, building bridges with people far from God, with people inside our family, so that when the world looks at us, when they see us, when they hear us, when they see a post, they glorify God because we are salt and we are light. And this matters to the Lord, not just John. It matters to the Lord. The third, the third bridge is build bridges <clears throat> whenever possible in difficult places and during difficult times. In the physical bridge building, I've seen some, and it's like, why would you build a bridge there? It's so hard. You know, in cliffs and you're, uh, even over water. You ever thought about how much work that takes? To, I mean, it's crazy. But we're called to build bridges in difficult times and in difficult places. So <clears throat> in my short life, I don't know that I've ever lived in a time, and I've lived through Watergate, 
in the early 70s, and I came out of the 60s, and I remember the Vietnam War, and I remember seeing things on television, and the, the, you know, the racial stuff back in the 60s, the, the hippie stuff, and the Vietnam stuff. I'm, I, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember a time that's been more divisive than the last year and a half or two. The political thing. Democrats versus Republicans. And within the Republican Party, the ultra-right and the middle of the road. In the Democratic Party, the far left and the middle of the road. Today in our culture, the war of vaccine versus no vaccine. Mask versus mask. Oh, no mask. I mean, racial division. I mean, I've never seen a time in which the church, I, I believe being called by God to say, stand up, but not in the way that you might be thinking. Stand up in peace. Stand up in love. Build bridges because people are looking for answers. And right now, when you join in the world's system, the world's way of handling opinions and handling politics and handling race and handling money and handling medical. Man, when you get into that, we and the kingdom loses. Loses, I'm telling you. But when we understand how to build bridges, it's not that we don't have opinions. It's not that we don't have right, a right to vote. It's not that I don't have opinions. Guys, I'm telling you, you think I'm stupid. I have opinions on Afghanistan. I have opinions on COVID. I have opinions on politics. I have opinions on them. But what is more important to me than my opinion is my influence. What is more, and it should be to you. Listen, and I know, listen, listen, I know people get mad at me. I know I'm going to get emails this week. I know that. I don't care. It's not that I don't love you. It's just, guys, I'm preaching the gospel. This is, this is plain and simple. I don't understand how loving your neighbor is po political. I just don't get that. But, but today, and by the way, I'm not mad. I'm, I'm just excited. I'm just excited. Because I believe the Lord wants to do something in our, in our church. And I believe it has to start with us. In our area, in our world. So, um, Talking about bridge building, I don't know of a person in my life that I respect more, that has challenged me more, that has led the way for me in many ways, but especially in bridge building, than the person I'm going to introduce to you today. He is a godly man. He's a pastor. His church meets within our church every single Sunday afternoon. We've been friends for a while, and we met through Jason Young, my good buddy, at a, a breast cancer awareness luncheon, and we sat at the same table, and I didn't know who he was, never heard of him. And we sat, I don't think, I don't know if we sat together, I can't remember, but after the thing, I said, hey, let's go have lunch, and, and he told me a story, blew me away, holy cow, you're going to hear it. But I don't know of a, of a man in Frisco, or even a woman for that matter, that builds bridges better 
than this man. And I want you, Hope Fellowship across all of our campuses, I want you to give my friend, Ernest Morgan, pastor of Empowerment Church, a big Hope Fellowship welcome as he comes. All right. Hope Fellowship, Hope Fellowship. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. Love you more. Love you more. Oh, I love you more. Oh, yes, sir. All right. Okay. Now, I want you to stay with me. Stay with us. Uh, because this, this part is the most powerful part of this, this whole message. Ernest, we've been talking for a long time and, and so forth, but I know your story. I've heard it a couple of times. And uh, it's amazing what God can do. But I want you to tell, before we dive into some stuff, I want you to tell them your story in three minutes or less. Three minutes or less. <laughs> Thank you, Hope Fellowship, for having me. Um, I'm from Amherst, Mississippi, which is central between Birmingham, Alabama, and Memphis, Tennessee. It's about 8,000 people uh, population. Uh, average income to this date is right at $30,000 a year. Um, my mom and dad um, was addicted to crack cocaine. All my life, I'd never seen what we call a whole family. Right. And so that had an impact on me to the point that at 13 years old, I started selling crack cocaine in Mississippi. It just was an environment. I was in that culture. Um, by the age 15, so from 13 to 15, I sold crack cocaine. Actually, my mom would take the crack from me, rob me, like if I had it somewhere. It was it's serious. One wow. of these old crazy stories you see on TV now. <laughs> but by 15 years old, I got into it, a gang fight with a gentleman. He stabbed me five times, twice in my neck, three other parts of my body. I had an aneurysm the size of a golf ball at 15 years old. Ended up in Jackson, in the, Jackson Mississippi, in the University Medical Center. Mm -hmm. Ended up there, stayed there for four or five months because of this aneurysm that had developed. And most people lose limbs, they lose weakness, they lose train of thought. Our mind was the opposite. I didn't lose none of that, but I gained the spirit of anger. Mm. Came over this, I'm smiling all the time, and I got the spirit of anger. <laughs> Developed the spirit of anger to the point um, I was just rage and mad at everybody. And so I would go in parks with kids and shoot through the parks with guns and got into drugs real heavy, heavy. Uh, by 17 years old, I went to this apartment complex um, inside. Uh, this gentleman was running for me and ran to go up a stairs, and I had this gun pointed. And out of this house, these two women wrestled this gun out of my hand. You weren't very strong, were you? I'm telling you, these two women, <laughs> listen, have you ever seen a mad black woman? <laughs> <laughs> now, come on now, I'm telling you. Well, they wrestled. They wrestled the, the gun out of my hand. Well, this lady on the front. Not, not, not she's mad, but that's, that's who it was, his wife. My wife, Cicely, we've been together for 27 years. I'm 45. Yeah. We've been married 25 years. Yeah. Um, so she became my girlfriend, and we get into drugs. So for the next two years, she on this crazy mission with me of doing nothing with our life. Mm. At 19, I felt the call of God on me. I knew I was homicidal or suicidal. I was going to prison or hell. One of those things happened. My grandma was a missionary, and she taught me Christ, but I didn't live like my grandmother taught me. Right. But at 19, I finally surrendered my life to wow. Christ, but she didn't. And I told her, you know, we got to get married, this and that, but I have no job. I'm an ex-crack dealer. I have no job. 
but she married me in 96 with no job or nothing, and we both turned our life over to Christ, and for 25 mm. years, I've told people about Jesus all over this world. Wow, wow, isn't that awesome? <clears throat> Good story. So, Amir, Mississippi, the logo for Frisco, everybody knows the, the, the city of Frisco's logo, actually is in Amory, Mississippi, because the Frisco Railroad started there. Is that right? That's right. Frisco Railroad, so the, the logo in my city in Mississippi and the ties to Frisco, if you went downtown Frisco, it would look just like my hometown. Wow. So Amory, Mississippi, the city park is called Frisco City Park. Wow. How did you get a guy from Mississippi on your stage? <laughs> well, I'm from Texas. Okay, well, hey, that logo, and I understood that this is crazy that yeah. I'm 1% with my background to end up from the country yeah. to Frisco, Texas, the number one city in America. So, so how did that happen? That happened just through a series of events. So in 2004, I came to Christ for the Nations in Dallas. Me and okay. my wife and kids lived Get on trained, campus there. Right. 07, I felt the call of God pulling me back to Mississippi. So we finally went back in 08, went back to Mississippi in 08. Well, that was the time the world was going through the recession deal and had a new president and the world just was in a bad place. Me and my wife ended up having to take, I started uh, cooking barbecue to subsidize my income. Mm -hmm. Okay. And from that point, we ended up having five locations of a restaurant. Wow. I had 21 employees in a restaurant in Tupelo, Mississippi. I'm cooking 500 slabs of ribs a week in downtown Tupelo. Wow. Life was an amazing. <laughs> At Tupelo, the home, listen, ribs. that's the birthplace of Elvis Presley. You know that, right? <laughs> and so I'm cooking all these ribs, but the economy at the end of the day, it was just what it was. And me and my wife just seen that <clears throat> it's really no growth for us here. Yeah. And we just, you know, we felt like we were still young enough to go and start over. So we relinquished what we had, sold out of what we had. And I took a job working for Crest Infinity, which when I came to work for Crest, they was in Plano on 75 in Parker. Right. When I came to Crest in 2015 to work for them, they told me about this store they was building in Frisco, Texas. So somebody said, did God send you Frisco? I said, no, God didn't send me to Frisco. I followed the car lot to Frisco. <laughs> That's what happened. So, so you became, what, number one salesman? It, so many months, I would be number one in the store. I was uh, top 6% in the United States selling Infinities for Crest. Wow. And when Crest come to Frisco, uh, in 2017, Crest didn't have a real connection more in the business of Frisco. Mm. And they needed somebody that could talk and love people and wanted to get up at 7 in the morning to go to the Chamber of Commerce. Right. So I didn't really have a lot of customers, and I'm not from here. And I, I knew one person when I moved here. Right. Like, I know hundreds of people across Collin County now you do. just through the way we've worked through the city and development. Uh, but from that position, um, it opened the door. I went in Frisco Chamber, and I began to talk about Crest and develop major relationships between the city and Crest and start bringing people to the campus to see this amazing dealership. So that's what happened. I went through the chamber and started developing relationships. How did you feel when you started going to all these meetings? Um, you're from Mississippi. Yeah. How was that dynamic? Well, I was terrified because, you know, I've never seen um, the I was such small percentage of African-Americans living in Frisco. Right. And when I came, 
you know, it's so intimidating when you come from an income bracket change, such a jump. I, I think people in Frisco don't realize sometimes we get comfortable living a nice life mm-hmm. and we don't understand that it's a world exists outside of this system. Okay, we're blessed here. That's God placed us in Frisco. But outside of that, everybody don't have the comforts that we see every day. Yeah. And I was one of them. And I was a, it was a shocker. And I had two things to happen. Okay, if I'm going to make it, mm-hmm. I got to learn how to build bridges. Yeah. Bridges bring two places together. Yeah. I got to be intentional about developing relationships if I'm going to make it personally, but then my wife and kids didn't come with me when I first came. Right. So when I first came, I came seven months by myself. Right. My son was a senior in high school. My daughter in the 10th grade. My wife didn't want to pull the kids out of school up front. So my daughter ended up the first person in two generations on both sides, three generations on both sides of the family that graduated outside of Mississippi. My daughter graduated from Centennial High in Frisco 11th and 12th grade year. And so when I came, I felt an outsider. I really was in a place of depression. Mm. We don't want to use that word in the church. And I was fearful, but I understood this also was an opportunity. My identity came from being the minority. Mm. I understood that you ain't going to find Ernest Morgan nowhere in Frisco, Texas. And I didn't have to change who I was. I didn't have to conform to nothing. I had to be who I was to be authentic to the call. And so now you are a Rotarian in yeah, Frisco. Yeah, I'm a Rotarian in Frisco Rotary Club. I'm an ambassador in Frisco Chamber. I sit on the board of directors, Melanie Hope. I own Ernest Barbecue Catering. I pastor the Empowerment Church. So if you go to the city of anybody who knows the city of Frisco government, mayor, uh, city council, planning and zoning, anybody in the offices, and you ask them, hey, do you know Ernest Morgan? Every one of them will go, Ernest Morgan, yes. You ask them, do you know John McKenzie? Uh, Who? What y'all gonna do with him? Hope I don't know what y'all gonna do with him. True story. You've been here in Frisco four or five years, and I've been here 21, and they all know you, and they don't know me. Um, That's what I'm saying is, that's why he's here. I've never seen anybody build bridges better. But get ready for this. Last year, George Floyd rocked our nation. And I know there have been many things that have rocked our nation racially. But last year, it seemed to just escalate like like crazy. What did you do after hearing of of that and all the things going on in our country? So when George Floyd happened, of course, it, it did just what Pastor John said. And by nature, I'm a black guy that so happens to live in Frisco. I was raised in that environment, so it was second nature to me. When that happened, I immediately felt bad for every African-American across the country. And I had so much, it resembled my upbringing, till it was second nature to me. And so I felt very angry inside. And I was faced with a uh, decision had to be made. Okay, I'm living in Frisco. And over 25 years, my life has been living for Christ and doing what Christ would do. But this is a moment where it checked my personal, mm. um, was I really delivered? Mm. <laughs> you know, it, are you really what you say? And I thought about what the Bible said in the fifth chapter of Matthew, blesses the pure in heart. 
but they shall see God. Another beatitude blesses the peacemaker, yes. but they shall be called the children of God. Then he talks about let your light so shine before men that they may yeah. see your good works. That whole spill. Yeah. When George Floyd died, I, somebody called me and they said, hey, we, we protested on El Dorado and we want you to come to the protest. It was huge. It was huge. I mean, there was, was thousands. Like, I think 4,000, 3,000 or 4,000 yeah. people yeah. showed. And I immediately said, I'm not going to the protest. They said, why? I said, well, I've been protesting all my life. I'm going to go home and pray. This was a moment that put me on the edge because I had to go pray. I'm crying. We're behind the scenes. And, you know, my ministry now, reality is majority of Hope Fellowship is white. Mm -hmm. Majority Empowerment Church is black. Neither one of us is proud of it, right? That's right. Because we're called to bring people together. Absolutely. But the fact was, I had to explain to our people what was going on in a way that we could salvage the church, not have bitterness. Some people in our ministry didn't see it. Some people, some of my friends didn't see it. Some of my family didn't understand. Watch this. I didn't even really understand. But I trusted the God in me, and that spirit of peace came over me to feed the police officers at a time that we should be mad. So, so it, during that protest, yes. you emailed uh, Chief Shilson. Mm -hmm. I inboxed him. So while yeah. him, him and Mel Cheney was walking up El Dorado, right. and I was watching it live from my house, the Spirit of God spoke to me to inbox Chief Shilson and tell him what I wanted to do. At the same time they was marching, God was speaking. Mm. I inboxed him, and he called my house that night and immediately said, hey, I'm Chief Shilson. You don't really know me. But I had already tried a couple of times through that year at different events. I saw him mm -hmm. and asked him, could I do something for the PD? This was before George Floyd. Right. But we could never get the schedule. That day he called me and said, this is my cell. And anything I can do in Frisco from this day for you, you let me know. Mm. Now watch this. We came up with a day mm -hmm. to do this event. And we fed 100. And by the way, your pastor's amazing. He came alongside of me, and elbow to elbow, we fed 100 police officers and the staff on Juneteenth. <laughs> That's right. Come on. Look at him <laughs> on Juneteenth. <laughs> I didn't even say that. I, on Juneteenth, we could, and watch this. Juneteenth was the day, the first time in Frisco PD history, that because of COVID, <clears throat> They canceled the police banquet. Right. And guess who food was for the police banquet? The barbecue! <laughs> we did, we fed, I cooked 600 pounds of barbecue. Three meats and all the trimmings. We had so many, the different groups I deal with, the Rotary Club, the, yeah. you know, the chamber, all, the mayor, the city council, they showed up to the PD. Yes, yes. Melody of Hope, I'm board of director. They came and played music. And we fed that week 100 PD plus all the staff. The next week, right. I fed 115 firefighters in Frisco, and we hand-delivered barbecue to nine stations in the city. That's what God spoke so, to me. So this is why this matters. <laughs> because, because, you know, that wasn't popular with some of your friends and your people. It, it, that was a hard thing, in other words. Mm -hmm. But you humbled yourself and thought of uh, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He spoke to you and just said, you need to feed them. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're sitting here today. It's not because you're black. 
although you are, it's, it's that spirit in you that you decided yes. that before I'm an American and before I'm a Republican and before I'm a Democrat and before I'm black or white or Asian, Hispanic, I'm a Christ follower. Yes, sir. And that trumps all of them. Yes, sir. So good. This is why this is so important. Because when you can be offended, when you can be hurt, and you remember last year, I remember it very well. I had many discussions with our great police officers in our church. Um, the tension between the black community and the police. And on Juneteenth, you paid for and, and worked and fed the, the police. And uh, man, I know we're here to lift up Jesus, but I just want to say thank you for leading the way and not taking up offense, but leading the way for all of us on what it means to be a Christ follower and what it means to build a bridge. I'm a better man because of you and because you're my friend, and I'm humbled to be your friend, and I'm grateful that you're here today. Thank I you. feel like that our church needed to hear this and that we, needed, we need to follow his example. And so I want to, yeah, thanks. thanks. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, Church, I understand. I understand if you're white. I understand if you have different views of like how this and that. I understand if you're Republican. I understand if you're Democrat. I understand if all those things, vaccinated, unvaccinated, masked, no, I understand all those things. I know, they're, I know they're real stuff. I'm not trying to make light of that. But can I just ask you a question? What's more important to you? Your influence or your opinion? What's more important to you? Building bridges with people far from God? Or staying on your side? What's more important to us as a church? Across all of our campuses, we're going to receive communion. If you didn't receive one, just raise your hand, would you? Keep it up until you're served. But this bread... And, and this cup that we hold in our hands, what does this represent? The body of Jesus. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 called us the body of Christ. Some are hands, some are feet. Some are black, some are white. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles. Some are men and some are women. But at the foot of the cross, we all come together, and we are one. And when Jesus prayed that prayer in John 17, Hope Fellowship, look at me. Everybody look at me. Across all of our campus, Prosper, McKinney, Frisco, West, all of you watching online. Guys, Hope Fellowship, let's answer that prayer. 
And let's be one. Let's build bridges, not burn them. Let's be the light of the world. And so as we take communion, Pastor, I'm going to have you pray. As we take the bread, take the cup, the body of Christ, remember that we are one with him. And we are one with each other. After he prays, we're going to take the bread and the cup, and then I'm going to pray. Pastor, would you pray? Gracious Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for all the things that you've done for us and just for dying for us, for shedding your blood, giving your life. Lord, I thank you. You so loved the world. You gave your son. And I thank you, God, that you allowed us, God, to have the opportunity to examine ourselves Look at our hearts, look at our motives, look at our intentions. You said in Acts 3.19 for us to repent and ye therefore and be converted that our sins may be blotted out and the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of God. So Lord, as all of our campuses across Frisco, McKinney, Prosper, Lord, we thank you for what you've done in us. I pray God that we be refreshed, we be renewed, we be restored we be revived, re regain courage. Pray, God, that if any division is among us, you said in Psalms 133, it is good and pleasant that brethren dwell together yes. in unity. Yes. It's more precious than the ointment that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, down to the skirts of his garment. Lord, I pray, God, as we take this communion, Lord, I pray that any sick among us, yes. Lord, I pray if there's any need, to be saved, any want to rededicate their lives, any transformation need to be transformed. It is done because of what you did. Yes. Lord, we pray for the bread. We pray for your blood. We pray, God, as we take this, Lord, let there be no division among Amen. us, but pure unity. This is our prayer for Christ's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's take the bread together. take the cup together just a minute they're going to sing at all our campuses a song I want you to just rest I don't want you to get in a hurry I just want you to rest and listen listen to the words and thank God for who he's called us to be he's invited us on a journey of unity he's invited us on a journey to reach this world. Lord, I pray your kingdom come. Your will be done right here in our hearts, in this church, in this area, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.